Hello and welcome. We have a really great Cup of Justice episode for you today. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you that we recorded this right after Alec Murdoch's latest pretrial hearing on Friday, December 9th. Later that evening, the Post and Courier reported on this same hearing with the headline, quote, SC prosecutors rethinking blood spatter evidence after defense pokes holes. That wasn't our immediate takeaway from the hearing. And after re-watching the hearing over the weekend, we think that the Post and Courier's impression that the state is rethinking the blood spatter evidence is an overstatement as to what actually went down in the courtroom. The defense's issue with the spatter evidence is incredibly nuanced, and we'll get into this more in our next episode of MMP. There were a lot of noteworthy moments during the hearing, and as always, a lot to break down. First though, we have got to talk about Russell Lafitte's chances of reversing those six guilty verdicts. So here we go. Hey guys. Hey, how are you? How are you? I haven't seen you guys in a while. I know, long day, right? This is good. I'm down here in Buford. It's, it's great. Good to have you here to do the live uh, chatting during the yeah. I got a flat hearing. tire on my truck, my monster truck, on the way down, and so that w- that was a little unnerving. So since you're here, we want to talk about uh, real quick because I don't. We have so much to talk about with Alex pre-trial hearing today, uh, but I want to talk about Russell's. Uh, yeah, they filed for a motion for a new trial, and I was reading through it, and I guess what we're obviously we're all of agreement that Russell was guilty on all six counts, so we're with the jury on that one, right? Yes. Yeah, we are absolutely with the jury on that, and I think everybody else in the courtroom we were with on that. And right. The, and the evidence. So the issue is that, um, one of the major issues, I guess, is that the jury was deliberating for 10 hours, and then they got notes, and basically two of the jurors were like, we're out. Uh, we're getting bullied. One of them said we're getting bullied. One of them said the other one. Yeah, the yeah. other one needed antibiotics and said, I have to get home to get my antibiotics. Right. So what do we think? Do we think that they are going to get a new trial? Do you think no, I don't. That's a good argument? No, it um, it is an argument. Usually the motion for a new trial is summarily denied um, because it's it's a prerequisite for an appeal. So everybody, it's perfunctory. You make it. If you lose in a criminal trial, you make that motion. It's denied. Then you appeal it up to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals in Richmond. This does have some particular legs to it because um, the independence of the jury is important. And their argument is that the judge invaded the jury room. Once he turned that case over to the jury room, it's their case. And they make the decision on guilt or innocence. And the motion seems to indicate that Judge Gergel may have interfered with that by unseating two jurors one of which may have had an opinion that she was not going to vote for guilt of Russell. However, I think they're guilty of waiver because Judge Gergel, when the jury came back in, said to uh, Bart Daniel, you agree to this procedure of the substitution of the jurors. So ordinarily that might have some weight. It might resonate that the judge did invade that province of the jury room. But in this case, I think it was totally appropriate because one of the jurors was not going to follow his instructions, which they are sworn to do. They swore an oath, regardless of what your beliefs are. Two, that's why you have alternate jurors. If there is a medical reason, because sometimes jurors do the stress of the deliberations 
creates medical issues and jurors are substituted. The brilliance of Judge Gergel is that he actually segregated these jurors and didn't release them. They didn't become infected by going on their phones or watching TV. And so that is the purpose for having alternative jurors. So I think that the motion will fail, um, and I think it should fail. But not just because they always fail. No, but in this particular case, I don't believe that he overstepped the line by invading the jury. The other thing I thought that was troubling to me is Bart impugned the character of the two replacement jurors by saying they just walked in and within 40 minutes made their verdict. They couldn't have deliberated. He said, well, the original panel deliberated for 10 hours. So you then seated these two alternative jurors, and 40 minutes later, they got a verdict. We don't know what happened in that jury room. We don't know if they walked in and these jurors, they went through each charge, and the jurors said, yeah, I heard all the evidence, and they're guilty. So one of the things that I've heard is that uh, they it's problematic, too, because neither Matt nor Bart had objected or said made a, made motion. a motion for a mistrial. Yeah, made a motion for a mistrial. When the two jurors were unseated. Now, what does that mean? Like, what does that do for them? They would make a motion at that time to say, Judge, this jury has failed. Uh, they cannot reach an agreement. It, you, you've invaded the jury room. Mm-hmm. One juror's free agency was being taken away from her because she was being bullied, supposedly, by the other jurors. Um, but the fact that they didn't make that motion, what does that do for proce- them? It could be a procedural error on appeal. When they argue it, that the court would, you know, remember I told you about proffers, that if a judge rules against you, sometimes you actually have to say, judge, I need to put this on the record to protect my appeal. They did not do that. I'm not sure that's going to be the the, the linchpin on why the Fourth Circuit is going to deny this appeal. I just think Judge Gergel tried a real clean trial. How hard is it to... Reverse? Yeah. It's like less, it's less than a half a percent of the trials. Really? Yeah, the federal judges are very good. They're very good. Uh, They they really they're methodical. They have a a, if you notice every time that Judge Gergel either ruled in favor of an objection or overruled, he gave his reason. And so the courts are not going to superimpose themselves from an appellate standpoint when Judge Gergel's the one that's hearing the evidence. And there's also a higher percentage of charges to convictions in federal court, right? It's like, like 99%. It's very high. Very high. Yeah. Right. And then so once you're and once you're convicted. I think Russell bet on the wrong horse going to trial, and I think he's going to be, um, uh, he's going to get a, a significant sentence. And I have talked to Emily Limehouse after the trial, and we'll talk about that at a later time because we have more to cover. But um, I think at the sentencing of his trial, we're going to hear a lot about Russell TV. If I was a betting man, we didn't hear about it at the trial, but I think that she is going to really be advocating on Russell TV at the time of his sentencing that goes to his hubris. I'm excited. It's season two. That is. <laughs> I hope there's some new Maybe episodes out in the meantime. What did you guys think of what we watched today? I mean, it was it was quite a show. I mean, it was quite a show. Mandy, do you want to give us a little bit yeah, of what your, your thoughts were on just like setting the scene for people? What what 
are some of the things you saw like almost right away? Okay, so setting the scene, um, uh, the most shocking immediate thing that I noticed was that Alex looked completely different than the last Alex that we saw. I see like we see like different versions of this guy every time, which is funny because that's kind of the person that he is too. That oh, just yeah, changes like that. a lot, right? I, like I mean, and he looks sometimes he looks real rough and tough, like he really belongs in prison. And today was more of a Businessman. Lawyer. He looked like a businessman. He did. He had well, a, he was unshackled. Let's talk about that. He's, no, he first of all, in. yeah, walked in with no shackles. Uh, he did not have the Tommy Bahama Jim's son's clothes this time. He actually had a, a, a jacket. Yeah, j- a jacket. He looked like he had a, a button down eyes eyes out or something. And he had hair. His hair grew very fast. And it was well cut and well kempt. Yeah, very blonde. Uh, also, no signs of uh, being shot in the head last year. It's still. Um, but the other thing that I noticed that was really weird about him, and I'm going to go back and zoom in, and I'm a big teeth person. <laughs> I noticed teeth. Uh, like, Am I okay? Yours are great. Okay. Every, everybody here has good teeth. Okay. There's a... <laughs> But they looked his, white. his teeth looked white and like fuller, like he got dentures or something. Today his eyes scared me, guys. There was a couple camera shots where he was glaring and it really had the glare of a scary person. Yeah, he Black, gave the maniac like, just dark. completely. Remember we talked about how deep set the eyes were and I don't recall that. Yeah. Uh, very dark. Um, and he also just, while, while he at some points would like look over to the media and looked very angry, um, he also seemed very nonchalant, laughing a lot. There was a lot of joking. Dick and Jim. Did you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, having a lot of whispering, laughing, haha. And I thought that that was interesting too. I think David pointed that out. If you are on trial for the murders of your wife and son, isn't it not a good look, look to be laughing? Not at all. a lot of time, I would think. Again, there was no one in the courtroom for him. There wasn't family for him. There wasn't well, friends for him. Well, the Buster portrait was there Yeah, not no living member. I mean, well, no, <laughs> nobody that's got a pulse. But, you know, I, I still focus on that. Where are the people that are standing up for him? Where are the people that are standing up for the victims? That's the grossest part because I think... You know, I want to give some compassion to Maggie's family, obviously, because we can't possibly know what they're going through. Correct. But at the same time, you, and we were talking about this just a little bit before we started recording, but it speaks to the power of the Murdochs, not just Ellick, but the Murdoch family itself, that there's hesitancy or what appears to be hesitancy on the part of the families to come into the courtroom because they're going to have to choose a side, right? They're, right. You either sit with the state or you, or you sit, sit with, with, the, with the defense. The defense. So they're going to have to openly, you know, either come out against him or openly support him. Well, they're going to have to do it at trial sooner or later, unless everybody's sequestered. I'm now not going to be able to attend the trial in person because I have been subpoenaed as a witness. And what's going to happen is the same thing that happened in the Rust trial. Those that are under witness are sequestered, meaning that I can't be part of the trial. I can't hear about what's going on. It's going to be uh, unusual. It does. It does. That really sucks. Yeah, that's gonna be real weird. Like, that's what do they want? Eric, what do they want Eric Blaine to get on the stand for? You think I'm gonna toast Alex Murdoch? I mean, I'm gonna fry him. Well, in the, so in the Russell the feed trial, they sequestered the witnesses, but after they testified, they were allowed to come into right. the department. Only yeah. one. But you understand did, why they're gonna call me and... now because he laid out his motive today. Creighton did about the financial crimes, and I wouldn't be surprised if you guys ultimately get a subpoena. Would be interesting. 
I would not uh, be happy. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I wasn't happy. Not. I, by the way, I wasn't what happy. When I, I know it doesn't matter if you're happy or not. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no. I don't care. I'm not, do, I'm not complying because I'm not happy about you it. You have nothing to do with it. it the, 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 we report from other people, so it would be all yeah. hearsay anyway. But yeah, but you've also... Report, I have no firsthand knowledge of. of you've dug anything. up a lot of stuff in court records. Sure. Well, maybe Creighton can present those documents. Yeah, exactly. exhibits. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, let's. I, he's probably subpoenaed a hundred people and all yeah. put on sixteen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think we're getting real close to trial. It's five it or seems six weeks like away. It didn't seem like that there was happen. a delay. It wasn't like Dick said, "Well, we can't go forward because these experts aren't getting the material." Dick said, we're five weeks away from trial. Let's go. Well, yeah. he asked for it. Asked yeah, for right. It. And then he keeps being like, Just Your like Honor. Russell asked for his trial, <laughs> yeah, right? You be better careful what you ask for. You right. may get it. I know. And he keeps being like, we only have this amount of time for this and that. And it's like, why do you have that amount of time? You could be at the back of the line with everybody else, but you wanted to be here, so let's go. I thought I was in a time warp today when we're discussing Bill of Particulars. I remember in constitutional law, my first year of law school in 1988, you study, you know, how the law evolved from Marbury versus Madison in 1798 and the Supreme Court and all these old decisions. I mean, bill of particulars are, it's a very antiquated procedure where you, as a defense, force the state before a trial, tell me what your theory of the case is essentially. And I found that not only repugnant to me, but I was upset a little bit at Creighton that he fell for the bait because he he revealed his theory, his entire theory, his mental impressions, and you usually wait well, until trial. Well, let's start with the repugnant thing. I want to know, why'd you find it repugnant? Um, because I just don't feel like that, that you as a defendant can force the state to open up and tell me, tell me what is your case going to be about me about but you already have discovery you have yeah but it's limited like it's not in civil cases in civil cases i would take your deposition before trial i would Mm -hmm. sit down and i'd be able to question you just like i did judge Odom. we did judge odom yesterday we took her deposition yeah how'd that go it was awesome she didn't mince words and i'm surprised that she wasn't called as a witness in the prosecution she she absolutely said she was deceived she said if russell had come to her and told her i'm going to loan money to myself i'm going to loan money to alex i'm going to loan money to alex when he's in overdraft it's going to be unsecured and i'm doing this to pay off my home equity line and build a swimming pool she would have said get the hell out of my courtroom and we'll be right back So what did, what did you guys think of today? Did you what have you been able to process it? Do you think who won today? Let's put it that way. We always like to talk winners and losers. Last hearing, Creighton I thought was on fire. Did a great job. Everybody was excited. What do you think today? What what about today? Well, I think that yes, okay, like factually, Dick and Jim won in that the judge approved their order for producing uh, more documents. So they were basically asking more documents about what? Why was that important? So they are they were asking for uh, all the communications between sled and the I believe maybe the AG's office as well, but I'm not sure. And uh, one of the uh, experts that will be testifying about, now, Dick and Jim like to say blood spatter, but from what we understand, it's high-velocity impact spatter. I don't know if blood spatter actually plays a part in it. The reason this is important, obviously, because uh, if it's brain matter, that's a whole different 
thing. But what they wanted... Isn't that what Dick said? Well, Dick said, look, if if they blew at, uh, Paul's head off, there would be blood everywhere, and there wasn't. Dick made that statement. Right, but, I mean, Paul was found dead in a closet. So I don't know if that's because the shotgun blast like, threw him backward into it or if he was in there when he was killed. So I don't know if necessarily you're going to see the same, like the forensic evidence might be bent a little. We just do not know the totality of evidence still at this point. Like you, you raised the issue, you said maybe they didn't test the right section of the shirt. And you gave me the example of that case you worked on with semen in the underwear where they didn't mm-hmm. test the entirety of the underwear. Yeah, I'm going to say something really controversial right now, and I'm probably going to live to regret it. But I think that local law enforcement agencies in South Carolina can can um, probably secretly attest to this. But the SLED forensic lab, yeah, I've got to be careful, I guess. But they're very, very backlogged. And Fair. as yeah. such... I think they're underfunded, too. They're underfunded. Fair. Uh, as such... You know, and scientists are scientists. They don't. There's no emotion involved. They say test this. That's what they test. They don't care whose case it is. They don't. You know, none of that's so supposed to concern them. Garbage in, garbage out. You give me this, I'm going to give you what you asked well, for. There have been incidences that I'm aware of in which they have tested a piece of the fabric that did not have the matter on it. So we're going to probably learn more about this in January when you know it goes to trial. But we don't know, like Mandy said, the totality of evidence, and right. we don't know what the circumstances about you, you, that test coming back without human You raise such a good issue about experts. But that in that if lab, the lawyer pays for that expert, right. that expert's going to advocate pretty much with that lawyer. Which is why Dick and Jim want that shirt. Right. Yeah. And that shirt has been used up, you know, um, What do you mean used up and exhausted? And consumed. What do you so, mean? Is it, it it has no utility whatsoever now? That's and, not true. And they don't yeah. know that. Yeah, so um, they want to test I it themselves. wanted to make a point before we really get into this is I think the thing that a lot of people aren't realizing is what I think that Dick and Jim wanted from putting this evidence on the record and putting bits and pieces also on the record. Um, what was that motion? Like 96 pages yeah, and the first one. lots of them were just completely blacked out. So right. we don't know what was in the redacted, the parts, redacted, redacted. parts. Right. Um, but he got the headlines out there that he wanted to, which, and today I'm sure he got the headlines he that he did. wanted to, yes. which are uh, blood analysis changes his story. Um, uh, expert that's giving conflicting that's right yeah blah 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 um today i saw a headline saying dick and jim won their motion even though i don't think they it was... won their motion but the thing i guess i was they won say... their motion because it was grant the word granted would use but it's not winning in the ordinary parlance so why wouldn't they win it like yeah their benefit of the doubt is going to be given to the defendant yes. right so the judge is going to if the, if the defendant is coming and saying you're not giving me all the evidence i want to see more give me more of the evidence to the state I don't think the judge has any choice but to say, "Turn it over." Turn it over, and yeah. and I think that's the. And that's the what happened the last time too. Yeah, it was so like you said, a motion when. to compel for evidence, and it, he was right. like, it, "Yeah, it, give all, it to him." All yeah. he's saying is, okay. "Let's have a fair trial." Yeah. So, state if you have evidence, turn it over. Sure. If it's if it's producible evidence, turn it over. He's not he's not saying, "Well, this evidence is so important, and this evidence is not." He's not passing any judgment on. He's just saying. Put all your chips on the table, and then we'll try this case on January 17th, right? Yeah. Right. But, but I think where things change for Dick and Jim, uh, momentum change, as you always talk about momentum. 
uh, as soon as Creighton started talking about the bill of particulars and the and it was comical. It was comical. Newman had a good laugh in the courtroom. Why? What do you mean by why, why was it comical? You tell me. He couldn't. Newman could not get through it without laughing because really? he was saying, "This is literally from the 1800s, Dick. Like, the early 1800s." But I, there, but just so you know, but just so you know, old Before law, old law can war. be old law can be good law. You know, we have old law. If it, it, yeah, the Constitution's old, right? But what he's saying is the modern criminal procedure has evolved, where we have different ways of preparing for a trial than putting Creighton Waters almost on the witness stand, making him raise his hand to tell the truth and say, "Tell me what's in your brain. What what is your theory going to be on how you try this case?" Can we talk about how they were laughing? How Dick, Jim, Margaret Fox, and Ellick himself were laughing while Newman was laughing at the ridiculousness of the motion itself. And so it's that. like, "What is going on here? Like, why are you guys laughing? They're laughing at you." What do you think is funny? I, was, I, was, I think it's just the absurdity of the whole thing was brought up and they had to acknowledge their own absurdity. But again, like the absurdity, it, it maybe worked. it goes... Did it? Yeah, Creighton got up and told the theory no. of the case. Okay. And that troubled That me. response... Okay, so let's talk about that. We need to be clear with people because this gets real muddled. But there's a couple things happening. One is the motions to produce the evidence, right? So Creighton, there's a tale of two Creightons, right? Mm-hmm. So we love big Creighton energy. We love it when Creighton shows... He's six feet tall and not five feet Yeah, away. like he doesn't let Dick over into his side right. of the room. You know, he's yeah. just like, I'm going to... There was two chummy yeah. today. Today was chummy before the hearing, chummy after, after the hearing. Yeah. I didn't like that. He, he stood a little taller during the... Um, when he was talking about the motive. Yeah, so he so comes. So will we? He comes. So he comes out. The first thing in de- in defending the um, motion to compel, he's a little frazzled. What I was think. his argument about that? Did you understand? I think it was I need more time. Yeah. So I, what I, to I, determine whether the T-shirt is is going to be used? No, essentially, Dick and Jim found uh, a reference to a PowerPoint presentation, and they found um, and it was misfiled. Some photos, right? something like that, and there were some photos that were they say were photoshopped, and maybe they were. I don't. I, I assume they were. Like Photoshop doesn't mean fabricated necessarily. It, means, it could mean cropped. Yeah, it could exactly zoomed in and cropped. Exactly. Okay. okay. Not, but they want the original. Altered. Yeah, not altered. There, people use the the term Photoshop for all sorts of different. Yeah, okay. and and also again back to the headlines. Right. He wanted the headlines. Saying sled is photoshopping evidence, right. and that's what people did. That's Absolutely. What they, like, and Crane didn't help the argument because in arguing the states, you know, why haven't they given I didn't that over? His argument, I'll be honest it was difficult, with you. right? Yeah, I will be honest with you. Yeah, I have to. It could have been stronger. It could have been stronger. It could have been. I thought his motive argument was clear now. And he was okay. very prepared for that. Yeah. So then we go into the bill of particulars. Now the tale of two Cratons. This was big Crane energy. So we had little Crane energy to begin with, and we we're a little nervous. Then he came out of the gates. Little, little Creighton energy, little nervous. Big Creighton energy comes out. Right. He's gesticulating. He's pointing at the alleged murderer. He's, yes. you know. He said he killed his wife and son. Yeah. He yeah. killed. That, those were powerful words. He killed. Not murder. He killed his wife and son. So in South Carolina, you don't have to prove motive when, no. or the prosecution does not have to prove motive when it comes to proving whether somebody murdered another person. In the bill of particulars that um, Dick and Jim were asking for, was essentially motive as a part of that, right? Right. And why do they the want motive, asking for motive? Mo- the reality is motive is in every trial. It should be. Because yeah. you're as a juror. I've, I've seen it without. You're a juror. You're, you're going to want to know, 
What would be the motive for yeah. him to do that? The um, the girl who was killed in the Uber case, the fake Uber case in Columbia last year in right. USC. There was no mention of motive throughout that entire case. You're and, kidding and me. And they got a guilty verdict. Wow. Okay. That was the only case I've ever seen where no motive. Yeah. Why? So did you like? Evidence, did though. you like? Did you guys like the motive that was articulated by the state? I think the motive was obvious. If we're in it, I mean, we could have guessed, and we not. We did have, guess. We, did, <laughs> we didn't guess. <laughs> we didn't guess. We knew but, because we yeah. knew from our great sources. Right. That that was what they were saying all along but it was it was validating to hear it uh, see it on the record um but we did learn two facts in the in the russell lafitte case that we never knew and creighton never said it came out of emily's mouth which was the on the day of the murders he was confronted by um gene and 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 ronnie crosby about the money and then also the fact that uh maggie would not assign over according to alec according to alec wouldn't assign over her interest in the beach house yeah to me the way i look at that is that alec kept away the appraisers from the bank from appraising the beach house and he blamed it on maggie but that like you said could also be motive for killing her because she if according to himself and his story she was standing in the way of the sale of that or the sorry leveraging of it the most important fact was Mark Tinsley suing Alex and yeah. his financial, the financial statements and financial documents hearing was going to be on June 10th, right. where he was going to have to finally produce. He had st- stood Mark down for years and years mm-hmm. of not turning over financial information. Right. And he, Creighton said that to him was very powerful that Alex didn't want Mark Tinsley to know he was either broke or had money or not money. I think... It's a combination of not only him being sued, but Paul is on trial for a felony DUI. Yeah, so he's got that pressure. Yeah. He's got the pressure. It seems there may have been some estrangement between him and Maggie. We don't know the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And now his law firm's breathing down his back. Another thing that we learned, not from the Russell Defeat trial, but from the state's response to the Bill of Particulars, is that on the day of the murders, not only was he confronted by his law firm about stealing money, but... He was apparently working on his financial disclosures for the boat crash case, which <laughs> I think, this. I, think I need to go back and make sure. And, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he said, Creighton said that it was handwritten. He was ma- no, Jim said this. Jim said he was working on a handwritten financial document. Oh, good. Turn that and over to said, a bank and see if you ever get and any he money. Said, well, you and, get it from PSP. He and he Mark Tinsley getting an uh, index card with my <laughs> And Alex says... <laughs> Alex Murdoch 68 Chevy. You know, two acres of... Uh, One billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be right back. The chilling thing to me was when Creighton said he killed his wife and son so he could get sympathy mm-hmm. to stop the train that was coming at him from his law firm in a whole different places. That is so dark, guys. And it worked. It's dark. So I have a source who is, you know, knows Alec really well. And right after the murders, one of the things he said was that this was about sympathy. That Alec killed Maggie and Paul because he wanted sympathy. How dark is that, Liz? It's crazy. The darker thing is that I've never question that i think Same. that's you the, the, guys know no we no, never I mean, so many people made sense ever since we yeah. heard For it sympathy. and yeah. then he said he and did it again on labor day yeah. to get sympathy again i didn't think of that yeah so that's never... clicked for us for a long time and that's another thing that has 
really convinced me that Alex is a narcissist um, that is able to manipulate and control people around him and does not care. Well, now he's a sociopath. He yeah. Now, now you're into the sociopath. I mean, on the under the MMPI, this guy will break the book. He'll he'll qualify for every single thing in the world. But you saw him laughing and flirting today, which was one of the more disturbing things. Yes, that it was. Happened him flirting don't, with. And don't kid yourself. Judge Newman noticed that, and Judge Newman's law clerk noticed that, and the clerk of court noticed that. What do you think? And they'll talk now? about it when they go back. When they go back in chambers, somebody's going to mention that. So what what does that do? Yeah, like? what? I think it, the the solemnity, the, the seriousness of these proceedings, a judge uh, does not like that. Yeah, it's one of the most horrific homicides in our history. I mean, Susan like, Smith is the only other one I can think about that's worse. There's lots of horrible homicides, but like a wife and son is just so. It's hard for people to believe it. It's I think hard that's for the it. number one thing. Try, try gulping it right Dick now. And Jim have gone. Try to gulp that. It's hard yeah. to even swallow. Yeah, that. and then to yeah. be laughing. And again, it's like you have to think of a normal guy sitting there and how pissed off and angry you would be. Yeah, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. Go find whoever yeah. it is. <laughs> has those, have those words not, ever come out of like his he, mouth? He doesn't no. come off as angry or worried or no. scared or. He gives his dumb little glare over to the to media. Yeah, to media, is and that then who he, he was looking at. Yeah, too? yeah, because the media sits in that jury box. Yeah. So they sat in the jury box. Got yeah, it. so that's who he's looking at, and that's right at the camera. And then he, you know, grumpily looked at Creighton a little bit. But I don't think we could. He talked to Creighton, I think, at one of the breaks. Ellen? Or he was sitting there while they were all talking. I yeah, thought I, can't I saw. Imagine. What do you At say? that five-minute break, there was a five-minute recess. Yeah, it's oh God. But Help yeah, us. he just seemed way too it comfortable. But I also think that Dick and Jim are trying to make him look like yes. this everyday guy that yeah. like women can sit next to and flirt with, and he's nothing to be afraid of. He's just a. He's just an old frat boy. I don't know what was going on. He's with harmless. Jim Griffin's associate. Maggie Fox. She is a bright, bright woman. What the heck is she doing? She writes. She, I understand that, but why is she sitting there looking like the that? The same thing that Phil was there. They're 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 legal scholars. They 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 no, toil. I'm not Eric. I think Eric, she was applying lipstick. lipstick. Look, I, I am the first to say that I hate it when people criticize the way that women are acting and looking and it a lot of uh, Nine times out of ten, people say that women are flirting when they aren't. Right. <laughs> but this was some, like, it It seemed intentional to me. It seemed like somebody told her to sit there and smile and... Humanize them. She, she's to not that humanize kind of, she's Alex not that kind of woman. I know her well. She she won't... She's not someone who you would let to be window dressing. She may have made a, a judgment error doing lipstick, but she is a real serious lawyer. I will say that. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. I, I guess what I'm saying is, and it, maybe this goes back to the There were too many bad visuals today. So yeah, so many bad visuals. That, that's a great way of yeah. you guys And also, say. if your wife just died a year, if your wife was just murdered a year ago, you should sad. not just be giggling. You raise such an important issue for lawyers about good look. Visuals, man. We, we talk about it all the time with our clients. When you're sitting at the table, do not react if something's good or something's bad. Do not feverishly write because the jury will notice that. The judge will notice that. Everything has choreographed, believe it or not, in a trial. No, you saw that. in Russell's trial where that went bad. Russell's body language wasn't good. Um, he was dismissive. He became combative. Rude. 
you are so right about the choreography, the choreography of, of And that's of what hearings. I think I'm saying with the Maggie Fox thing. It's just, it seemed part of a very intentional effort. And maybe that's why we were all here today. Maybe that is why that hearing existed in the first place, so that we could get those visuals. Because when you look at the motion to unshackle Illich, most of it is about how murder suspects are not shackled during trial. Well, that's irrelevant because this is pre-trial hearing. Yeah, what does it mean? And during pre-trial hearings. And so at the end, you know, Dick and Jim are like, the state's going to argue that during pre-trial hearings, it is uh, the acceptable norm uh, to shackle a defendant. But the media is there. And uh, because of this, you know, the nature of this case, we think he should be unshackled. So Why shouldn't he be shackled? He's not under bond. He is in jail. He should be treated right. just like everybody else. I don't believe he should be unshackled. Well, he was unshackled. So the visual of that. I so, think it's wrong. But when you look at the argument they were making, it was because of the look of it. It's not, you know, it, just it, that he's not a danger. It's that the media is there and we want him unshackled. And he said, they said specifically, yeah, we know that most other murderers are shackled, yeah. but most other murderers don't have TV cameras. Yeah. Yeah, but most of the other murders are reported by when you guys are journalists. You would go to a murder trial and report it. I just think that, we, we again, we're back to the same cup of justice. Are we going to have one or are we going to have two? Are we going to have a different one for Alex in this murder trial? Look, the, the, something happened at the end of the hearing, which is uh, Alex's grandfather's on the wall, the, the portrait. We got to take it down. You know, we, we don't want him staring at the jury. I mean, that's the, almost threatening in, in a way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's creepy. And it it's, is creepy. It's weird, too, that they haven't taken those down already. Like, the the dynasty has fallen. They've been exposed. It is time for those paintings to go. It is a new era in South Carolina. I was, in, stop Ma- I was in Mark's courtroom in Allendale, and one of them is sitting there with a cigar in his hand. That's the portrait. Why not? Can you imagine that? It's not like usually you see a judge, he's very prop. Probably whiskey in the other. You know, with a robe on or you see a lawyer, they're standing. He's sitting there with a cigar like this, like, I'm the badass. Buster Murdoch was known to smoke cigars in the courtroom, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But back to the... But that's power again, isn't it? Yeah, it's power. But back to the visuals and back to who's winning and who's losing here. I think that it could be argued that they do not, like, with their visuals, that I think a jury, if a jury was sitting there today and watching Alex and their team and their interactions, I think from that, and those are things that stick with a jury, right? Like, oh yeah, a jury sits all day and gets all these random facts thrown at them, blood's better, and it's... it's but one blah, little blah, blah. slip up could change, could stick in their head. But a, a visual in front of them yes. and just an overall impression is so big and huge. And I don't think that Dick and Jim are taking that seriously. I don't... Jurors have 24 ears and 24 eyes. And there's one or two jurors that are watching Dick watching Jim, watch Maggie, watch Alex, and they'll go back in that jury room. They won't talk about the testimony and they'll say, did you see the way that Alex was grinning? Or did you see the way that Dick smirked? And they it sticks like cement. And they'll say things like, he doesn't look like a guy who's mourning the life, the, the loss of his wife. Guys, we're going to see a different Alec during the trial. Let's face it. Like, Bow tie. This, right now, it's, it's, for the, it's for the media. 
It's to be dismissive of Creighton during his argument. It's to, you know, like during when Creighton's talking, Alec and Dick are whispering. And you know, Liz, Liz and I today kind of had a gulp while you were talking to David. We kind of gulped a little bit and said, geez, after our experience in the Russell trial with the two jurors, mm-hmm. we could possibly see something like that happening in this trial that there could be you know not i don't i don't think any chance of a not guilty verdict but there could be one or two jurors that could decide that they're the state isn't going to prove now let me ask you this obviously russell um he testified and obviously bart forced him into it because he said a pack of wild horses in his opening statement couldn't keep Russell off the stand, so he had to put him on the stand. You think he forced uh, his his client to go on the stand? Isn't oh, that like no, a bad no. thing? No, no. I think it was the Ronnie and I think it was the dumbest opening statement that we've ever heard. Meaning when he painted him into that corner. He painted himself that he didn't have the flexibility if the state didn't prove the case not to put Russell up. Okay. So my question to you guys is, will Alex testify? I do not think so. I think Dick is always the lawyer that says... He wins his case on cross-examination of the state's witnesses and then says, the state didn't prove this case, we rest. Can I quote something for you right now? Yes. Your Honor, I've been exercising and everything's great. You should let me out on bond. Do we not remember the first hearing with Judge Allison? He talked for eight minutes about himself. He never once apologized. (laughs) He hinted at an apology. Your Honor, I just want to say... To my son's friend. And, and again, he was invoking sympathy, too. Yeah. Every Except single time he so ever talked, it was about yeah. It's cross-examination material on him. And the lesson to be learned from Russ is don't open your mouth and let people think that, you know, know how stupid you are. Let, keep it closed and let people just think about it. Do you think Alec, I just don't think he is smart enough to say I should shut up. Yeah. I think he's that he's. I think he's yeah, going to say the difference between put me in, to Russell coach. and Dick. Russell I was got able. This one. Russell was able to bulldog Bart and Matt to say I'm testifying. Dick Carpootlian, nobody pushes him. If he doesn't want Alex to testify, I'm telling you, he will not put Alex on. Everyone, and I think even you, said that that eight-minute speech that he gave, and unfortunately we don't have a record of it because Judge Allison Lee didn't allow cameras. Wait a minute. So you are saying there's a possibility you think that Alex could testify? But you don't remember your thoughts then when you were like, why did they let Alex talk? And it it didn't help his chance at a bond Right, Right. it made it worse. It was the stupidest thing. It was dumb. It was so dumb. Yeah. And he was and also it made Lee mad. Yes. yes. Yeah, it made her very mad. Made her mad. It, and that's when she gave the huge bond. It was Seven like, million. let's make it bigger, whatever. No, not No, seven million. Full seven million. Seven million. Yeah. Deal with it. And Dick <laughs> Yeah. That was, and he was so one of his two blind pennants. Yeah. yeah, he got pissed. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't think you know and as much as you that I know that Dick Harpootlian has this reputation, but even today, I mean, he didn't seem like he was on his game, right? No, he was not as forceful and sarcastic. He was all over the place. I uh, said he said um a lot and was very. He's usually pretty fast with his words and fast 
faster to getting to the point. Coherent. Uh, coherent. It's not one giant sentence for seven minutes. Did like one it, of our listeners? Yeah, one of our listeners punctu- is saying that. There's his, his zero argument. punctuation. It's just la 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 um yeah. la la um. He wasn't energetic. He wasn't. I thought he looked better today physically in the face than he did in prior hearings, and he looked good in his suit. You know, I can say that for a seventy-three-year-old guy. I thought Jim was little not, mafia suit. I, th- I didn't think Jim was as crisp as he usually was in his arguments today we were talking about this earlier but he just seemed like a sixth grader who didn't do his homework right. and he was shuffling was through papers more fireworks because a 96 page motion and accusations of, of of destroying evidence i mean if you have a defense attorney and you have that kind of argument i mean that's rafter stuff that you right. you scream from the rafters i didn't see a lot of punch on both sides today at times, yes, right. but not a consistent, uh, overwhelming force. I would say if there was a, yeah, the like the peaks, ramp, the peaks the and valleys of yeah. today, like the highest peak where it was like the most emotional and you could see the the tension. Um, I think was when Creighton was talking about. Alex trying to pin the murders within 30 seconds. And that was a big fact that we heard for the first time this week. That oh, yeah. It was Alex's own words. I didn't know that. Did you yeah, and know he, that? And that's the reason why all this is coming back yeah, to folks, him. Folks, Let's explain folks, that. Folks, you realize that um, Creighton said that within 30 seconds of the police officer showing up after he made his 911 call, he said... These people did it because of the Mallory Beach boating accident. Like this has to do with the Mallory Beach boating accident. So essentially, that blew the defense's argument because they're saying that we, you know, uh, one of the elements that's coming into play here is State v. Lyle, which is prior bad acts. So basically, it's Rule four hundred four, the rules of evidence. So explain why can't you, if I'm on trial, why can't you admit that? You know, I was jumped off the, uh, you know, a roof and I beat people up in college and everything because why? It's prejudicial. People will make the conclusions based on my other acts right. and not, and, and infuse. Well, if it speaks to your character. So if basically right. if you're, you know, this person's a bad person, doesn't necessarily mean you did the crime at hand. Right. Right. So we don't want to convict somebody just from other bad acts. Right. So there's a specific set of circumstances under which you can get evidence of prior bad acts admitted. Yeah. And obviously that will be a, you know another hearing that will, will that be held be in the future. That would be Rule 403 instead of Rule 404 if it right. becomes habit. It has to be probative. It has to speak to the crime pattern. at hand. Now, the, yes. The ha- probative nature, though, can't be unduly prejudicial. If it's right. too prejudicial, even it still may be probative, but the court may hold by introducing it it prejudices the charges at hand. So it's a it's a real analysis that has to be done. And that judge was not willing to do that today. No, that's coming now because it's going to be important. So right. essentially, uh, the state is saying that because of Alec, because he is the one within 30 seconds of the police arriving there who introduced the element of the boat crash case and the boat crash victims, you know, put, trying to pin it on them, he opened that door. So now they have to explain why would that be significant and what does That's that a mean good and where exactly. And so they made their motion to include that evidence, and obviously that will get heard in, in the future. But that is significant because now it introduces all the financial crimes and what kind of man he was. And Mandy, I think that was the, one of the more interesting things was when he was talking about the different, like you had mentioned earlier, the different types of Alex that there are. 
How many personalities? Does how he many have? personalities does he have, and Six, how many eight, different? Yeah, how many is people? And but it's one of the coldest things. Liz and I were talking about this earlier. That I mean, really, kind of took my breath away when I was thinking about it. He was trying to blame one of the most brutal homicides in the state's history, one of the most horrific crimes, on his son's friends. friends. The same people he tried to blame the on the same, boat crash. Yes. Right? Yeah. But it didn't work the somebody first else time. that was driving the boat, not his And that's son. how his mind works. It's immediately, I messed up, or somebody that I have to protect messed up, So, and I'm not used to getting caught for anything, so I'm going to point the finger mm-hmm. and start and... And I know how to cover it up. And, and everything has worked in my favor. But yeah. Like, because why would... I mean, to the rest of us that wouldn't think of that in a million years... To, to, to blame it on a friend? To, that's that's your essentially what he's doing. Like, and children. They, friends with these people. Like, and, yeah, their parents. And, yeah, and he's known these kids his whole life. He probably yeah. knew them as babies. He coached them in baseball. Yeah, like, <laughs> could you imagine that? knowing a little kid that you... Threw a t-ball too when he was five years old and trying to pin a murder on him. Isn't that what Mr. Cook said in one of those uh, HBO specials? He said, I coached baseball with the guy and then I'm all of a sudden realizing as we're talking, hey, he's about to blame my son. We've spoken with enough people that knew know Alex now, know knew him, and knew him in college and high school and stuff. And that is a pattern of blaming it on friends and and getting out of it, and no one being able to say or speak up and say this is not I didn't do that, or maybe taking the blame because that's just what you do. So around the murder. This week I heard guys that there was possible offers of plea made by the state that no. that we they would. If he pled to the financial crimes, they would do 30 years and we would do the murder. Is there any validity of what those discussions were? Because it was leaked either by the defense or somebody leaked it. I think it was the defense. It had Um, to have been. And because it works in the defense's favor because it looks like the state doesn't have a case and it looks like it makes... You don't think there's any validity? That no, we've no, never seen them come out so unequivocally. The attorney general's office never does that. They never comment saying that something is false. And they did. Here. And they did. They said yeah, unequivocally. They unequivocally, said, they said we never offered a plea deal and any allegations. And then false. in their response, they had a footnote talking about how they plan to seek uh, life for the financial crimes alone. So that answers the question. The life, yeah, LWAP, life without parole. Yeah. But what about life, obviously, life on the murder charge? There's not going to be a death penalty. We don't know. They don't have to tell you until, um, is it 30 days before trial? Something For death like penalty? That. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We don't know yet. So, but that would be too weeks. That's that's still possibly on the table. But I think too, if there's ever a case for, I'm not an advocate for the death penalty, but if there's ever a case for one, I think. I think a, I, I think a father that kills a wife and son deserves a death penalty if he did it. This particular case, I'm troubled by the lack of direct evidence. But we don't know all the evidence. We yeah. know all the stuff that Dick and Jim have leaked. Right. But we know it's a circumstantial evidence case. We know we don't all have witnesses. Even to a point. To a point. But, but there are witnesses. There's very few murder cases that have actual witnesses to You're murders. Right. Right. Like, Except okay. barroom And barroom even if you have a video, you know better with all those DUIs in the state and how they, even though you have a video of the guy being drunk on camera. They could throw that out. Right. Yeah, exactly. So about a month ago, we all said we didn't think 
think the trial would go forward in January. Now I'm starting to waver on that. Well, I would say you are. You got subpoenaed. Right. Yeah, I think, <laughs> no, but I, it still doesn't mean. I think, too, um, the, the closer that we get to the trial, the more expensive it is going to be for the state to move everything, right? Like that's they, a good point. They have, to set up, they have to set up and schedule out all these resources. Right. That's a good point. And they're going to be pissed off if they have to move it. Right now we're looking at a big game of chicken. And because are. the state waited a year to charge him something that we've been really critical about, the state sort of has a head start, would you think, or no? Do you think that they were really spending their time to cement a case and encase it in cement for a year? Yeah. You do? I do. I think they were. Do you, do you think they were working that hard on a year, yes. or were they working more on the financial crimes? No, I think they were really. I don't know if they have the resources to do both, to be honest with you. They hired a lot of people. Yeah, they did. And I mean, I don't know. That's a criticism, actually, frankly. Yeah, and I I think it's going to be. Of hiring a lot of people? Well, what about all the other murders? Like, yeah. and, and you know, and I'm, we're happy, obviously, because we want to see justice served here, and whatever that may be, we might be absolutely, you know, might be that he didn't do this, okay? But he, I mean, there are other murders. There are other families that are deserving of the time and efforts and resources. Where are all these people sitting in jail? Why does Russ and Alex get their trial within six months? I don't understand it. It's people's ambitions, right? So you have this major case. It's the biggest case in your career. Has Creighton tried a murder case before? I don't think. I've heard he hasn't. Has the state AGs had a murder case? I've heard they haven't. No, right. So these are big things for Emily Limehouse. That's a big win. That is a... Maybe career on, defining. you know exactly. That's a career. And by the way, she had lost her previous trial. She had a not guilty verdict, yeah, and so yeah. she had told me she was absolutely nervous. Yeah. yeah. So this is ambition to not, a certain extent. She wasn't as confident on the inside as she appeared and and portrayed on the outside. Well, she's good then. Yeah. She was really great. Yeah. Not at all. I thought she was. I was actually jealous of how calm and collected. Yeah, for sure. Well, today, Eric Allen, who, thank you, Eric Allen, for your amazing videography. Eric sent us a, um, a printout that they were apparently passing around to media in Colleton County advertising Airbnbs for the trial. Passing it around in the courthouse. Yeah, this is like the event of the century wow. in Walterboro. We've okay. heard from fans of the show that they are, have already rented their hotel room or, or booked Are you hotel kidding room. me? Yeah, people are coming down for like girls' weekends. I'm not kidding you. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy, but I think every day that we get closer, especially in the next couple weeks, I feel like nothing's... Nothing really happens around Christmas time usually. So it is going to go. I think it's going, and I... I can't believe it, but here we are, um, and I think it's just going to be unpredictable, just the craziest few weeks of our lives. You know, uh, I, I do feel bad for, and I know that there's probably good and bad about it, but I just, you know, have, being a father, I feel bad for Buster. I feel bad that it's Christmas time, he doesn't have a mother, his father did it to himself and is in jail, he doesn't have a brother, the family name's destroyed. I just, there is a part of my heart that does go out to a boy, a boy like that. It just does, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it's... It's sad. It's sad all the way around. It's it's horrible what Alex Murdoch did to his family because Maggie and Paul right now don't have a single person in the courtroom for them because of Alex's intimidation of people. Yeah. And because Alex puts that fear inside of people that if you go against me, you're going to pay for it. 
I want to talk about, you know, wrap this up with one of our, I think, favorite moments during the hearing, which was what Creighton said about Alec and not being able to kill all the victims, which was a stunning, stunning moment because his point was that Alec had to kill Maggie and Paul. That was the more effective way to get sympathy than uh, to kill everyone he had screwed over since 2011. He said said he couldn't kill all those people. Oh, and he said that, what did he, did did we know that every single year he stole from... That was new. Did he say a different different victim victim, every single year? From 2011 to 2021. Yeah. That's... That was a new fact. For 11 years, never a gap in time when he wasn't stealing from somebody. I, I couldn't believe, like when Creighton said he couldn't kill all of them... I also think that that is speaking to the tone of what we're going to see in the next month, which is this guy is capable of anything. It was chilling. Thank you guys for joining us. We we had a lot of fun today, and we have a lot of fun talking to you every time we are on Cup of Justice. Yeah, I'm real uh, real appreciative. I hope everybody's enjoying the holiday season and uh, getting ready for Christmas and Hanukkah and whatever you want to celebrate. And I thought it was neat today, interactive again. It really is humbling when we do that. It it lets us know that we have some special people. And people all over the world. I know. I've seen England and Scotland, Scotland. and sometimes Australia pops in there. It's Really exciting. Awesome. World tour someday. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This Cup of Justice bonus episode of the Murdoch Murders podcast is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co-host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, a.k.a. the Jackhammer of Justice. From Luna Shark Productions.